the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Or at visiting. The following program is sponsored by Reaching Hearts Ministries. This is Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentenko is bringing you part number 24 of the Genesis series today, entitled Adam and His Life. Now, we need to break this into two parts. We'll bring you the first portion today and the next portion tomorrow. And then we will stand concluded with regards to the Genesis series, and we hope that you've enjoyed it. Remember, you can always go to reachingyourheart.com on the Internet to listen to all of these messages in the Genesis series. They are currently available for you in the broadcast schedule, but they are also available under the series section of the website. So if you have any questions about any of this, Make sure you dial us up at 877-788-5371, 877-788-5371. Let's get underway with part number 24 of the Genesis series, Adam and His Life. And here is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenka, with today's Reaching Your Heart. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior. We thank you for love. We thank you for life in the Son. And I ask, Father, that uh, the weak frame that I am today, that your spirit would be here, that the words and the message of your word would be unencumbered. And, Lord, I thank you for Jesus, our Savior. Thank you that in all the things of life we find in him the real source of love. In Jesus' name, amen. When I became a teenager, I remember the overwhelming feeling that I was not loved. Now, it's not a good feeling at all. In fact, I discovered by degree that this feeling is not necessarily fact. When I was 16 years of age, God led a motherless mother and her wonderful husband into my life to teach me that love is real in spite of how you feel. They adopted me for all practical purposes as their son. And even though I do not bear their name, I carry their love for the rest of my life. Aline Halleck and Norman Halleck are now dead, but their love is alive in me. And I remember watching this beautiful couple and just really thinking to myself, you know, how could God have put so much love into two people who never had kids? I mean, they had a family not because they were able to biologically. They had a family because they chose to reach out to people like me and others, and they adopted one boy after another through the course of their life, and they made sure that their family was the product of love and service. And so I am forever indebted to this wonderful couple who had love and life. They gave me life through their love. Eric Fromm said, immature love says, I love you because I need you. Mature love says, I need you because I love you. And that's the kind of love I receive from them. In the heart of every person who loves, there is a need, a deep well of need. For love cannot exist without need. The need that fires the flame of love is the need to give, to cherish, and to sustain. Love that depends on what it receives instead of what it gives. Dear heart is a fraud, and in the end it fails the test of love. 
We have all met people who need us, but who do not love us. It's a cold kind of feeling that freezes the heart and alienates the affection. It's a cold form of gradual death if you have to live with someone who models this fake form of love. Mahatma Gandhi put love succinctly. He stated it in the positive. He said, where there is love, there is life. If you find love, dear heart, you find life. If you taste the fruit of love, you eat from the tree of life. In the end, all we are and all that we can be can only grow if there is love. In the beginning, Adam was made to live and to love forever. Eternal life, in fact, necessitates the ability to grow forever. And to grow forever means you must have the capacity to love forever. Adam had the capacity to love because God made him with the capacity to receive love and to give love freely. The creation of the first man was not the product of natural selection or survival of the fittest. He wasn't the outcome of a bunch of killing and hatred that brought about a perfect specimen of survivability. That is not how the human family got its beginning. Man was made by a God who became his father through distinct acts of love. Humanity was born in a birthing ground where God loved the unlovable ground and created the human family out of it. In the genealogy of Luke, it is not an accident that Adam is called the son of God. He was called God's son because God made him his son. He chose to love the clay that became the man. Have you ever asked the question, why did God make Adam in the first place? you ever asked that question? Why did he create him? Did God create Adam because he was lonely? Have you ever thought that? Well, maybe God was lonely and he said, I need a man. So I'm going to make Adam and Eve because I'm lonely. Have you ever thought that thought? Did God create Adam because he needed someone to complete himself? Well, you know, I've I've been on my throne all these billions of years, but I just can't be all that I can be unless I have someone to create. The evidence suggests that God did not do this. Genesis 1.26, God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Man was made by a God who was not lonely at all. Not at all. God said, let us make man in our image. Before there was Adam, there was community, relationship, and fellowship. Adam was added to the us of Genesis 1.26, but it was not necessary for him to be there for there to be the us that the Bible speaks about. That means there was love before Adam was made, and love was secure before Adam was made. So why did God make Adam? God made Adam because love is constructive. Love builds, and love reaches out from the platform of personal security. Love shares intimacy, and love grows spiritually. Love is its own mandate for reaching out and building more platforms for love to exist and propel itself into the future. God made Adam to experience the love and the joy that is part of the very heart of God himself. So love must build a future. In the creation of the first man, we find the first vital insights into God's love. Look at verse 7 of Genesis 2. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now notice how life began. First, it says God formed man from the dust. 
Now, the word form is yatsar in Hebrew, and it means to form like a potter. Has anyone here ever worked at a potter's wheel? And so here is God reaching down into the clay of the earth and forming it as a potter would form a jar. You cannot form pottery without touching it firmly. I know that from experience. And you shape it with your hands. You must come into contact with the object that you're making. So the first fact of life for Adam was the gift of constructive touch, of deliberate creative touch. That's where his beginning starts. Now the second fact of Adam's life in creation is closely united to the first. The touch that formed Adam is not the touch that gave him life. The constructive touch that formed him was followed by the intimate touch that gave him life. The Bible says God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That means God gave Adam CPR, mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, which implies he embraced and kissed him. That love was intimate as he came to life. So constructive touch moves to intimate touch in the creation of the first man. It made national news on February 5, 2008. You probably saw it. Gary Latour and some other firefighters responded to a call in Orlando, Florida that took them to a burning apartment building. As they scrambled up the stairs of the apartment building, the flames and fumes were oppressive. When they arrived at the top, they found a number of dogs in the apartment building, and they had stopped breathing. Some of them, their hearts had stopped. So what do you do when animals are in a state of physical stress and they're dying? Gary and his friends did the unthinkable. They performed mouth-to-mouth resuscitation on the dogs and CPR on some. Now, you couldn't pay me to do mouth-to-mouth resuscitation on my dog avalanche. I'm sorry if his heart stops and his breathing goes south. His history will have a monument, but I am not going to do that. Now, when God made Adam, the creator of the universe, who is the high and holy one, lifted up, bent down, descended, came to the miry clay of a mucky earth that had formed out of the chaos of a primordial void. And he took the clay, and he embraced the clay, mouth to mouth, He breathed into man the breath of life, and he became a living soul. Adam was formed with a constructive touch, but dear heart, he came to life through an intimate touch. The third fact of the gift of life for Adam was the infilling of God's spirit. A heart can beat and lungs can move, but unless God's spirit is inside the body and the life, there is no meaning to life. God's presence brings life. God's presence secures a platform where love can be found and grow. So God breathes into Adam the breath of life. Job 33, 4, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. So God performed CPR on Adam, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he came to be a living being. So constructive touch moved to intimate touch, and then a personal infilling of God's Spirit. Adam was created by a love that was shared with him in four distinct spheres. The first act of constructive touch represents physical love. The first need in a baby's life is the need to be touched, and God gave Adam what he needed. The second act of intimate touch represents deeply relational love. 
While physical touch calms, tender touch bonds. So Adam bonded to God as his father because of the tender touch. And the third act of the infilling of God's spirit represents spiritual love. The Holy Spirit was given to Adam so life would matter and God's presence would never leave him. Adam knew all three kinds of love in the day that he was made. That means Adam was made with no spiritual or relational or emotional deficits. He was made complete. He was loved into existence. Now the last act of love was the act of grace. Grace, I believe, based on Scripture, is the glue that holds physical love intimate love, and spiritual love together. Grace is the action of love upon the heart and the mind. Grace creates a place for the person to be loved and to belong. Look at Genesis 2.8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. The Bible says literally he planted a garden from the east in Eden. The garden is the place for grace here in the story. The garden is the spot where love can grow. The garden was not the place where Adam was made. It was the place where Adam was put after he was made. The text is very clear. God made him on the outside of the garden, and God put him inside the garden. So the only way to live in the presence of God, the only way to really know God and to experience God, is to have grace pick you up and put you in the grace place. And there he was in Eden. The Bible says the garden was planted literally from the east. In the Bible, the east is the direction of the beginning or the direction of eternity in the past. As far back as there was God... There was a place in the heart of God for Adam from the east. Before there was Eden on this world, there was an Eden from the east in God's world. And love was where God was at, and God picked Adam up and put him into the grace place. When God sought to find Israel and save him, he defined the nature of his love to the rebellious nation. Jeremiah 31.3, The Lord appeared to him from afar, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, therefore I have continued my faithfulness to you. Dear heart, grace finds us when we are afar off, and grace makes a place for us to stay near to the heart of God. That is the foundation principle of Scripture. In the garden, one thing was missing in the grace place. As good as it was with God, one thing was missing. God gave Adam the privilege of naming all the animals that had been made from the mud just like him. The lion, the giraffe, the weasel, the mouse, the rat. No, I'm sorry. The T-Rex without sharp teeth. The list was surely long. But at some point, Adam came to understand that none of the animals looked like him. Not even the gorilla and the chimpanzee. You know, they tell us that the chimpanzee has a better memory than human beings. It's been proven. Chimpanzees, in their clinical studies, have defeated college students in sequential memory work. We now know chimpanzees are smarter in memory work than human beings. Sorry, gentlemen and ladies, but we all must take our place in the great order of things. But Adam noticed that all of these animals, including the chimps, existed in twos, both male and female. And so he looked for the one that matched him, and there was no animal that was fit to be his companion. A chimp may have a better memory, but a chimp doesn't work. So the first time in the Bible we encounter the clear statement that something is not good. It is the realization that there is loneliness even in the grace place. Look at verse 18, Genesis 2. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. 
I will make him a helper fit for him. The Hebrew says literally, I will make a helper who matches him. The idea of the Hebrew is a helper who corresponds to his need. The first person in the Bible who needed help was a man. And all the women should say, Amen. That means the woman was deliberately made for the need of the man. Her strength was her capacity to support and to help her man. It was not a lesser role, but it was a perfect matching of his need. She was created to match the one area of his weakness. Without the woman, the man was incomplete. Without the story of creation, the words of Paul might appear sexist. Let's look at them. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 9. For indeed man was not created for the woman's sake. But what does it say? The woman for the man's sake. That means the woman has the greater power to sustain the heart and lift the spirit. Now, so I ask a question in light of this wonderful truth. A pointed question. How many wives here today have never discovered this basic strength that God has given them for their marriage and for their husband? A man that is worth his salt is hard enough on himself and he doesn't need his wife to be harder on him still. A man who works hard and tries to provide for his family deserves a safe place to experience support, affirmation, and love in the arms of a wife who is not his critic. He needs a, a wife who will encourage him and soften the severity of his struggle to achieve. He needs a wife who will be careful to speak well of him when she is in the presence of others and to speak tenderly to him when he needs a different point of view or perhaps correction. The heart of a man is not complete without the love of a submissive wife. And I use the word submissive. The wisest man who ever lived described the evil of a carping wife who tortures her husband with complaining at every turn in his life. Proverbs 19.13. We've read it in our Bibles, but now this day it's in church. A wife's quarreling is a continual what? Dripping of rain. Now women, I will not ask if this applies to you. But if it does... Let the Word of God change your behavior. A quarreling wife is the same as water torture for her husband and her children. Now, you don't want to do that, do you? We don't want any Guantanamo Bay homes around here, do we? No. Now, the love of a Christian woman is a gift from God. In contrast, the love of a Christian woman who understands her vital role is a gift from God to a grateful husband. And the key word there is grateful husband. Proverbs 19, 14, house and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. So God made the first woman as the first gift to a lonely man. Unlike Adam, who was made on the outside of the garden, Eve was made on the inside of the garden. Eve was created in the grace place. She was built with the garden in mind. She is a reflection and embodiment of the paradise of Eden. You ask me the question, which one of the two is the most significant work of God's creation? And I must say it with authority. The woman is the most significant work of God's creation. She is closest to the grace place in her formation by God. But the name Eve, given by Adam, believe it or not, was not her first name. Did you know that? It's her second name. Look at Genesis 2.21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. 
Now, when Adam woke up, it didn't take long for him to figure out that dreams come true in the grace place. Eve was a knockout in every single way. She was the answer to his dreams. When Adam was created, he was immature. He was the center of his own universe. He wasn't evil. He he just simply had started where immature people start, very much like husbands who marry and then have to grow into the man they must be. That is why in verse 23, he named his wife after himself. Look at Genesis 2.23. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from man. Now, the Hebrew says literally, she shall be called Isha because she was taken out of Ish, which means him. Adam named Eve after Adam. It's nothing but the feminine form of who he is. Now, how long they lived without trouble, no one knows. But one day the serpent came along and he convinced Eve to seek a path of independent growth and development without God and her husband. Genesis 3, 5 The serpent said, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When you touch this fruit, you eat of it, you're going to be godlike. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, and he ate. So what happens next is terrible. Shame appears as fear infects their relationship with each other and with God. Insecurity manifests itself for the first time as they make fig leaves and they put them together as aprons to hide themselves from God. Alienation sets in as they run from God into the forest of their personal and social isolation. Now up to this point in time, the man has protected his wife. God told him to guard the garden, and he has guarded it well, and he has guarded his wife. This God-given protectiveness, which belongs to the man, now becomes a mode whereby the devil can get at his very soul. So when his wife made the fatal mistake, his God-given desire to protect his wife became the vehicle the devil used to destroy his life. Paul says that Eve was deceived, but Adam was not. 1 Timothy 2.14, Adam was not deceived, he said, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. God made Adam to live forever, and the woman he gave to him, he gave her to support him and to help him. And here she was, and he made the wrong choice because he wanted to protect her and die with her. Adam chose to love her more than God. In his moral and spiritual fall, he ended up loving neither He ended up turning on his wife with resentment. The man who named his wife after himself turned on her to become her first accuser. The first accusation in the Bible is not the devil accusing God's people. The first accusation in the Bible is the accusation of a husband condemning his wife. Genesis 3.12, the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me She gave me fruit of the trees, and I ate. He looks pretty innocent there, doesn't he? Right? As soon as Adam sins, his new focus is himself and his own survival. I want a car. I want to go out with the boys. I mean, hasn't that thing been going on and on ever since? Instead of protecting his wife, he condemns her and blames her for the change in his life. Imagine the scene. 
There is Eve, the most beautiful woman who will ever live, standing naked before her husband and God. She was made to fill the need of a lonely man's heart. Instead, she became the servant of death who opened the grave for him. She was made to cure his loneliness. Instead, she became the means that isolated him from God. She came to him when he awoke as the answer to his dreams, and now she had become the focus of his nightmare. In her striving for advancement, she left him behind and made choices on her own without him. And then she gave him the awful gift that destroyed them both. She gave him the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Her womanhood and her dignity was decimated in every way by her own sin. She stood there and there was nothing she could do. When God searches out Adam and Eve after the fall, he finds a husband that has separated himself emotionally from his wife. John Berger analyzed love and hate in this profound statement. English novelist, he said, The opposite of love is not to hate but to separate. If love and hate have something in common, it is because in both cases their energy is that of bringing and holding together. The lover with the loved, the one who hates with the hated. But passions are tested by separation. Well, there you have it to the first portion of part number 24 of the Genesis series, Adam and His Life. If you'd like to listen to this broadcast again, it's available for you at reachingyourheart.com. You'll find it under the broadcast schedule there on the main page. If you'd like to review any of these messages in the Genesis series, they're available there for now in the broadcast schedule, but we'll move to the series section of the website, and you can find that there on the main page as well. But if you have any questions, feel free to call us at 877-788-5371, 877-788-5371. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. If you would like to help us out, the address here is Reaching Hearts International, 15300 Spencerville Court, Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. That's Reaching Hearts International, 15300 Spencerville Court, Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. We love hearing from our listeners, so drop us a line. Just let us know that you listen. Well, we are out of time for today's broadcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you'll join us again tomorrow. And for everyone here, please also know that we pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.